0: Welcome to New Covenant Church. You're listening to this week's message with teaching pastor Daryl Feemster.
1: Would you say His name with me, Jesus? Jesus? At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that He is Lord. Say it again, Jesus. Jesus. There's power and healing, salvation. There's none other name given among men under heaven whereby we must be saved but the name of Jesus. One more time, Jesus. Lord Jesus, we come to You expecting You to do everything that You said You would do. Your promises are yes and amen. You watch over Your Word to perform it. Father, we're praying for Your presence this morning to display itself and manifest itself as only You can do. Answer our questions. Fill our hearts. Grant us great faith today. For Your name's sake. And it's in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord we pray and submit. And all God's people said, Amen Amen and Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Give the Lord a clap. Be all right. Well, happy birthday, America. 246 years old. That's older than me just a tad. It's a crazy day we're living in, right? Turn in your Bibles to Daniel chapter 3. We'll get there in about 20 minutes, not really. <clears throat> Daniel chapter 3, a very familiar passage. <clears throat> I came to this, Lord's been dealing with me for some time now because of where we are in our nation and And the question came to me is, Darrell, what are you going to do when the cost of being a Christian just might affect your reputation? What if it's going to affect your business or your occupation? Your property, your banking privileges. Or here's the one that I'm really dealing with. Or being considered mentally stable. We're in a revolution of sorts right now. An ideological war. And this is nothing new, nor will it be next year. Nothing new. You see, in 1770s, the 70s of 1700, America rejected the British ideology for a new ideology of independence and freedom of conscience. And I want you to hear something. What's promised to us in the Declaration of Independence is a freedom to think. We've lost. We think it's about freedom of, of doing what we want to do and those kind of freedoms. But the freedom that the Constitution guarantees us is the freedom of conscience. For you to be able to believe and do and act according to your own faith, or your own convictions, your own thinking, your own conscience. A war was fought, a constitution was instituted, and individual states were organized into a nation with a representative government. For 246 years, we have had the privilege of, to live in a constitutionally self-governed people. But it's obvious there's still a war going on between ideologies. Freedom cost. And while we say everything is free these days, I want to tell you something. That freedom came at a great price. And it still does. It takes courage. I want you to hear me. It takes courage to be a true follower of Jesus Christ in our day, too. Courage comes from confidence or conviction. Conviction of conscience. The word, the Bible word for conviction or assurance or confidence is faith. Is faith. 1 John 5, 4 says, For whatever is born of God overcomes this world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Faith is relying on, trusting in, leaning the whole weight of your life on Jesus. You've heard me say it many, many times before, but I'm going to put it on the screen so you can write it down. We practice daily what we really believe. All the rest is just religious talk. You want to see what you really believe? You'll see it in in your walk every day. You can tell everybody else what you are, who you are, what you think, but i tell you what, it's how you live your life that shows where your faith is. It's going to take coming to a realization that faith is not something I say I believe, faith is something I live. The Bible says there's coming a day, 1 Corinthians 3.13, that each man's work will become evident. For the day will show it because it's going to be revealed with fire. And the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. Considering the day we are living in and the problems we are facing and the ideologies that are showing themselves in our day. Let me ask you a question. Is your faith fireproof? Is your faith fireproof? There's coming a day that the fire is going to reveal just what you believe. There's an old story in in Daniel. You're going to be recognizing it. It's, very, it's an event in the history of Israel and Israel has forgotten God. They've turned away from Him. They were taken away captive into Babylon. And they're going to be there for 70 years in captivity. And four young Israelite men were chosen to serve in the king's palace. And we know them, we're more familiar with them by their names, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These young men, Daniel 1 tells us, determined in their hearts not to forget the Lord nor His promises and to keep themselves true to the God of Israel. They were favored by God and they were promoted to be over all the wise men in the province of Babylon, much to the displeasure of the Babylonian princes. Jealousy determines to find a way to remove these Hebrews and it wasn't long before a welcomed opportunity came when the command of Nebuchadnezzar was that all must bow down and worship this 90 foot by 9 foot golden image he had erected in Babylon. Anyone to refuse would be thrown into a blazing furnace. This was Babylon's, this was the Babylonian official's chance to play politics with Nebuchadnezzar and cancel out the Jews. Nebuchadnezzar is told, you know, politics always tattles. The Babylonians go and they tell Nebuchadnezzar, these three Hebrew children are not paying. Attention to you, the king, nor your gods, nor your golden image. They won't bow down. You see, bowing down would violate the second command of God. And for some of us, we would have a hard time thinking, what is the second command of God? It's that you don't make any image representing God and you don't bow down in worship to it. Any image that replaces God in your heart is an idol. These young men feared God and disobeyed the king. They wouldn't sacrifice their faith for the king's order. Nebuchadnezzar was furious and he brought them in to give them one more chance. Now we're going to get to the scripture in Daniel chapter 3 verse 15. It says, now if, and I'm going to skip some words there. If you fall down and worship the image which I have made, Nebuchadnezzar is saying, good, good for you. But if you do not worship, you shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you from my hands? There's always a risk to faith. Always. Faith is going to cost you. Faith always involves a choice. The choice for these young men are not not any easier than the choices we make, nor will it be any different in the days to come. Think of choosing between bowing down to an image or being burned alive in the king's inferno. Nebuchadnezzar, listen to me, Nebuchadnezzar didn't demand them to deny their faith. He said, just compromise it. Just compromise and bow down to my image. Faith's choice will cost you. See, listen to me. We're tempted to bow down to the world's expectations or be crucified on the altar of their criticism. Faith not only involves a choice, it involves a challenge. What God is there who can deliver you out of my hands? There's always somebody saying, Where's God? Where's the God? We are living in our day where they're saying there is no God, and if there is a God, He's He must be hiding out. He's not coming through. Where is your God? Where is Jesus? Where is all of this? When all these things are taking place, there's an ideology war. And it's challenging. You see, we often fail because we want to play it safe. We want to play it cool. To have our plans cut and dried. If we can just make it through. To have an alternative ready just in case. Let me just ask you a question. Is there any other God in America that can deliver us? Look at verse 16. The resource of their faith. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He answered and said to the king, No, Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. In other words, uh, we're not going to change our mind. Verse 17. If this be the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. Where did their faith come from? They believed certain things. Their magnificence of their faith is seen in their unwavering refusal to be disloyal to their God. With a seven times heated furnace threatening them, they still have faith in the ability of God. Our God is able to deliver us. Now let me tell you, we all believe, if I were to ask you this morning, what can God do? You'd say, He can do anything. Is there anything impossible for our God? We'd say no. You see, I've discovered something. We can believe God is able to do anything, but real faith is exercised in believing God is able to do that which particularly concerns you. Is God able to handle your trial, your fire, your faith? Especially when you're already feeling the heat of the furnace. Is my God able to deliver me from my particular furnace of trial? Am I willing to step out into the heat of my problem in faith and trust Him? The resource of your faith first is in the ability of the God who you say you trust. The second is the faith in the willingness of God. Look at the next part. And He will deliver. And He will deliver us from your hand, O King. He will deliver. Many of us believe in the ability of God, but we're not so sure about His willingness. This is usually because we think deliverance is something that we must deserve or merit or something that's due to us. Folks, listen, hear me. God delivers by grace, not merit. Aren't you glad? God delivers you out of all your failures. Grace, grace. To know God is to know of His absolute willingness to deliver us in the way He sees best. And then finally... They believed in the sovereignty of God. Verse 18 says, But even, but if not, even if He doesn't, let it be known to you, O King, that we do not serve your gods, or will we worship the golden image which you have set up. This is what rendered their faith fireproof. Not that they would be delivered, but they knew who they believed in. And they had committed their lives to Him and were willing to stand for it. Their total dependence was upon God, not in the mercy of the King, nor in the ability to believe, in their ability to believe. Even if God had not delivered them, their faith would not have staggered. They recognized that it might not be God's purpose to exercise His ability in this way, but, and they were content to leave the issue into His hands. To them, loyalty to God was more important than life itself. I wonder if loyalty to God is more important than the politics of America. Faith always delivers. I want you to hear me. Faith always delivers. Maybe not in the way you think, but faith will always deliver us. God will always come through. Always come through. God will always be victorious. I want you to see the release of faith. Look at verse 19. Then Nebuchadnezzar was full of fury, and the expression on his face changed toward Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Therefore he spoke and commanded that the that they heat the furnace seven times more than it was usually heated. And he commanded certain mighty men of valor who were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their coats and their trousers, their turbans and their other garments and were cast into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Therefore, because the king's command was urgent and the furnace exceedingly hot, the flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down bound into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace, seven times hotter than it had ever been. You say, well, preacher, you said faith will always deliver. It does. Faith always delivers, overcome, but not always in the same way. Deliverance is unusual here. God didn't deliver them from the trial, from the furnace. He delivered them in the furnace. You see, we must get away from the idea that deliverance from the trial is the highest form of spiritual blessing. In other words, God, you're not for me if you don't deliver me from it. God, you're not God if you can't deliver me from it. God didn't deliver them from it. God nowhere promises us immunity from trouble or trial. In fact, Jesus said in this world, you will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. What overcomes the world? Faith. Deliverance is unusual. I want to say something to you from experience. You learn more in a few days in the furnace than you would learn in years outside of it. You come out with a greater God. Deliverance is unusual, but it's also unequal. God does not treat all of us alike. This is the only time that I know of in Scripture where they're delivered from a fiery furnace like this, seven times hotter. But it is in Scripture. This was the way they were delivered. Ears may be totally different, but deliverance is always there. This causes many of us to be offended because we're expecting to be delivered from the trial. We always run into spiritual trouble if we look around at how God is dealing with others and expecting him to do the same with us. He delivers some from the trial, he delivers some in the trial. Peter was arrested, and the church was praying for him, and he goes from prison to a prayer meeting. James the brother of Jesus or the James the apostle was was put in prison and he goes from prison to the chopping block and loses his head as a sacrifice a martyr both church praying for them Peter preaches and 3000 come to know Jesus Stephen preaches and gets 3000 rocks thrown at him We have to accept the fact that God deals with each of us according to His wisdom and His sovereignty for His glory. I wonder if if we Christians in our day could say with Job, though He slay me, yet will I trust Him. Faith is not only always delivers, but it's always rewarded. Look at uh, verse 24. King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished, and he rose in haste and spoke, saying to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? And they said said to the king, True, O king. And he said, Look, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt. And the form of the fourth man is like the Son of God. How many did we cast in there, boys? Nobody else fell in there, did they? Now there's three men loose with a fourth man. Aren't you glad there's a fourth man? There was companionship right in the middle of the furnace. (laughs) Later on, Daniel's going to have companionship in the middle of a lion's den. In the furnace, the Lord draws nearer than at any other time. You may be going through your fiery trial. You may be going through situations. I want you to know God is not absent. He may be closer to you than you've ever experienced Him before. Companionship. It was not until they were in the midst of the fire that the Lord's presence was manifest. And then it's amazing to me the, 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 the control. Look at verse 27. And the satraps and administrators and governors and the king's counselors gathered together and they saw these men on whose body the fire had no power. The hair of their head was not singed, nor were their garments affected, and the smell of fire was not on them. You can't even camp out around a campfire and not get the smell of smoke on you. The flames burned nothing. Listen to me. The flames burned nothing but what tied them up. They were loose in fellowship with the fourth man. They were loose in the fire. And when they came out of the flame, the flame had no power. Their hair was not singed. Their clothes were not changed. The smell didn't even get on them. Listen, there is somebody more in control of this world than man. And he is able to deliver you. But I want you to see what's the best part of this story. Verse 28, Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him. And they have frustrated the king's word and yielded their bodies that they should not serve nor worship any god except their own god. They came out victorious and God came out glorified and worshipped. The Babylonians, and here I, I found this. The Bab- you can Google anything. The Babylonians had a god called Gerar. G-I-R-R-A. He was the god of fire. This furnace wasn't just so they would have heat. This furnace was a place of worship, a place of sacrifice. The king had challenged the God of fire. Who is a God who can deliver you? And God took up the challenge. The defeat was overwhelming. The power, the fire of that pit had no power. No effect. Not even the stench. That's the Lord's deliverance. Aren't you glad that there's not even going to be the smell of sin on you? The smell of failure, the smell of frustration, the smell of defeat. The things that you think this world is coming to throw at you, I want you to know there's a God who delivers you from it all. The God of this world right now in our day is challenging us. The world system tears at us financially and socially and morally. There's always going to be an image somewhere demanding we bow down and worship. There's always someone commanding us to conform. There's always going to be a furnace, a fiery trial to be threatened with. How do we stand? We must Understand we serve the living God. We must understand that there is no other way than Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. There is no better way of living. There is no other alternative for salvation. There is no other way that you're going to accomplish for the glory of God what He's purposed for you to do here other than through Jesus Christ. Lord, give us a conviction and an assurance of your love and your grace and your promise that we will stand and having done all withstand clothed in your armor every fiery dart that the enemy has to shoot. I pray that we would infuse, that you would infuse us with the attitude God is able and with the faith that says, but if not, I won't bow, I won't back up, I won't back down. Lord, I'm going with You all the way. All the way. For Jesus' sake. Amen? I'm not through. I'm not through. Don't even think I'm through. Because this is something that I have a word for you parents and grandparents here. Because I want you to understand, I know, I know what you're feeling. Preacher, that's a real good sermon about something that happened years ago. But we're living in the nasty now. And now, our nation's going to hell in a handbasket and they're fanning the flames. Well, you know, and here's what we think. What's going to happen to my kids What's going to happen to my grandkids? Brant Martin. I usually don't have much to say about Brant Martin. But Brant Martin this, this week posted something on the internet. And when I read it, it was like God's wake-up call. It was written by Alex Cravens. I want you to listen to it and then we'll be through. Don't feel sorry for or fear for your kids or your grandkids because the world they're going to grow up in is not what it used to be. God created them and called them for the exact moment in time that they're in. Their life wasn't a coincidence or an accident. Raise them up to know the power they walk in as children of God. Train them up in the authority of His Word. Teach them to walk in faith knowing that God is in control. Empower them to know they can change the world. Don't teach them to be fearful and disheartened by the state of the world, but hopeful that they can do something about it. Every person in all of history has been placed in the time that they were in because of God's sovereign plan. He knew Daniel could handle the lion's den. He knew David could handle Goliath. He knew Esther could handle Haman. He knew Peter could handle persecution. He knows that your child can handle whatever challenge they face in their life. He created them specifically for it don't be scared for your children but be honored that God chose you to parent the generation that is facing the biggest challenges of our lifetime rise up to the challenge raise Daniel's raise David's raise Esther's raise Peter's God isn't scratching his head wondering what he's going to do with this mess of the world He has an army He's raising up to drive back the darkness and make Him known all over the earth. Don't let your fear steal the greatness God has placed in them. I know it's hard to imagine them as anything besides your sweet little babies. And we just want to protect them from anything that could ever be hard on them. But they were born for such a time as this. You were born for your generation. They are born for this generation. Trust God. There was some mamas and daddies that taught four Hebrew children. Deuteronomy 6. And you're going in and you're coming out, tell them what I've done. Teach them. Raise them up. Train them up in the way they should go. You can't trust the world to do that for your kids. It's your responsibility. It's my responsibility. You know the truth. Teach it. Let them know the truth. The same God who got us to this place will get us the rest of the way. Quit being Fearful. three young men changed the Babylonian world because they believed more in God than they did in the fire of the furnace let's trust Him stand with me Holy Spirit we invite you to speak to our hearts to challenge our minds and our spirit That we would step up in our day. Be who You've called us to be. But we will not fear tomorrow because we know who holds today. And we know who holds our tomorrows. We trust You. We rest in You. I trust Jesus Christ with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind. And I'm asking You, Lord, to give me faith for the fire. That I'll have courage in the middle of whatever I have to face, even if I don't understand it, I trust You. My God is able, but if not, I will not let go of Him because He's holding me. I trust Him in Jesus' name. Amen. Megan's going to lead us. You hear what the Holy Spirit is saying to you and respond accordingly.
0: listening to this week's message.